I created this PowerPoint specifically for siblings. Skips, siblings of kids in pain. First of all, we need to know the Bashamtiv said that when Adam Kasher Shiatsa there was a Adam Kasher, a good Jew, and he had a child, children, Banov, that went out Latarbisrais, O T D which means atheism. Atheism means there's no God. So that means that you're eating treif on Yom Kippur, Achmun Litzlan. But Tziva HaBal Shemtev, and the Bal Shemtev commanded him, Lehoiv Oisam B'Yoyser, love them more. Umach Mazoyis Yotzu M'Kfira. Because of that treatment, they left Kfira. Which means that when you have a sickness, you need to have medicine. When you have somebody, Chalila has Achmun Litzlan cancer, so there's something called chemo. When you have strep throat, they put you on ZPAC. What is the medicine for someone that goes OTD, someone that is a kaifer, is an atheist? There's only one medicine the Baal Shemtev came up with, love. It's interesting. He doesn't say you have to worry about the other kids and you have to set rules and boundaries and consequences and don't reward bad behavior and you can't enable. He says the medicine at the end of the day is lehoiv oisam b'yoyser, to love them more, and it worked. They did the medicine, they did the treatment, and it worked. says, When it comes to the children who are going off the derech, they're leaving the yeshivas and becoming totally fry, we must treat them with love and kindness, for who knows which form of acceptance will one day cause them to return. When someone is in that matziv and they're living in a home, you never know. You never know which smile, which nice thing that you do is going to end up making them comfortable so that way one day and whenever it's going to be that they're going to come back. You never know. And therefore, you have to always constantly do everything that we can to go ahead and make them feel comfortable at home. The Chazanish said, it's a story that a father had a son who was driving on Shabbos, the Mechal Shabbos, and he asked his father for a car. So the father said, I'm willing to give you a car. If you promise not to drive on Shabbos, that's what most people would do. And the boy refused. He turned down the deal, not taking the car. And the tension between the father and the son rose sharply. When Chazanish heard about it, he advised the father... Kedai to give your son the car without any conditions. Even though you know that you're giving him something, and with that he's going to be Mechal Shabbos, it's Kedai to do it. Why? Because enhancing their relationship in this way will eventually increase the father's influence over his son. So what do we see? That even though people say this is this person's problem, and he's on his own, and he has to find his way back, the Chazanish was saying that influence, the connection between the child and the father, that is the rope. That's the Chevel Hatzalah. And therefore, if that's what is going to bring the kid back, so then don't lose the connection over anything. So it's Kedai to give the car because you, you need to influence. The connection is going to, the relationship is going to be connected and you need that influence. Why do you need the influence? Why do you need the influence? Why do you need the relationship? Teretz is, because that's the medicine. The medicine is the relationship. So you don't not give the medicine. Imagine a child is in sick in the hospital and connected to an IV. You let go, you disconnect the IV, they die. The respirator, you disconnect from the respirator, you die. The Chazanish, as the Baal Shem Tev, are saying, as Rabbi Shmuel Birnbaum was saying, and we're going to see more, 
that the respirator for these children, that eventually they can return, is the love and connection that they feel towards their parents, and by extension, to the families, to the brothers and sisters. Because if you don't feel comfortable, then you leave. Shem Shempinka said, when it comes to the people leaving the fold, OTD, Yeladim Eluheim Bebechinas Chaylim. They have a din of a sick person. And a sick person needs love and pampering. What? Why should we give somebody who's eating on Yom Kippur more? We should give him less. Because that's the medicine. Because sick people need pampering. You need to spoil them. When someone is spoiled, that takes away the illness that they feel falayrin and sabrachin and they feel like nobody cares about them and they're depressed. Hugs and love and care is the only way to get them back. That's what Shem Shempinka says. Ein Don't do anything to harm him in any way. Shower him with warmth and love. A lot of people have ideas. You have to tell them, in my house, you have to wear a yarmulke, and you can't this, and you can't that. But that is not rak lahanik lechayim va'ava. That's complicating the process, and very often it makes them feel not chayim va'ava. And that's why it's usually not kedai to do that. Ibshamshu Afal Hirsch says, parents must show equal love for all their children, even for those who are deficient in character, who are in need of love and devotion even more than those who are physically ill. If you can imagine there's a boy that he's in the hospital and nobody comes to visit him, the brother doesn't come and the sister doesn't come and the brother-in-law doesn't come and the sister-in-law doesn't come. They live so far away, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours away, so they never come visit. would never happen. Rav Shamshul Hirsch says that the person who is emotionally or spiritually ill needs more love and devotion even more than those who are physically ill. How much would you drive in to go visit your brother or sister if they were in the hospital? And that's what you have to remember. Here, you need to do even more. We're used to seeing people like this boy in this, in this picture. If your brother, your sister looked like this and they were in a wheelchair, everybody would have a rachmunus on them. Everybody would say, okay, we're going to clean up for you and we're going to cook for you and we're going to go and we're going to go to great adventure. We're going to push you a whole day. A chalamite trip, we're not going to ask you for anything. Comes to go in the car, we're going to give them the front seat. We're going to give and give and give and give and give and give. Why? Because they're, emotion- they're physically sick in a wheelchair. And what about someone who's a hask child or is not, 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 not all there, mentally ill? So you expect anything in return. Things have to be fair. You expect them to clean up and to do chores like everybody else. Because there's something in their brain that's not healthy. But we lose track when we're talking about our brothers or our sisters who are acting like rebels. We have to realize that it's also apitaira, an illness. And therefore we have to remember what, what it is. There's something in their brain that's not there. And sometimes they look very bad, depressed or with different color hair or looking all different types of matzavim that they're in. And we have to always look at that as if they're in a wheelchair. We have to say, what would I do if the child was sick? What would I do if my brother had fever? What would I do if he was all of a sudden walking around without his pants on? It's embarrassing, right? Sure. But I would feel bad for him. He's meshiga. And that's why we have to look at these kids who are suffering. There's usually a reason why. But you love them. Eluheim bebechinas chaylim. chaylim ava pinuk. To pamper him. The Esif Steinman. When parents of a teen in crisis are told that they have to treat the child with unconditional love, doesn't that undermine the chinuch of the other children? 
when you brothers and brothers and your sisters, when you see if you have a, a kip, brother or sister, being treated so nicely, and, and we're letting them walking around without a yarmulke, without tznias, without whatever it is, so doesn't that make your chinuch worse? Doesn't that make you worse Eden? And they asked him question number two. For example, if there's a kid who's openly Michal Shabbos, turns on the house lights on and off, teases his parents and siblings, how should the parents react? If Steinman said, he broke it down into three parts. The parents should gather the kids together, and say with tears in their eyes, message number one, your brother is suffering, he is hurting. What does this mean? It means that in Steinman's eyes, when you see somebody being Michal Shabbos, you have to know that they're sick. It's a psak. You have to understand, he never touches it as Yetzirah, bad friends, the internet. He said, he's, your brother is suffering, he is hurting. doesn't matter why, how they got to the situation. Maybe it was the internet or bad friends or some kind of a trauma. But the bottom line is right now, you have to look at this person, Michal Shabbos, this person is suffering, this person is hurting. Number two, whatever punishment he will get because of his Chil Shabbos is between him and Hashem. It's not our business. Of course what he's doing is wrong, but that's not our concern. We don't say that being Michal Shabbos is okay. We don't say that smoking weed is okay. None of this is okay. No internet is okay. And TV is not okay. And movies is not. None of this is okay. But that's not our concern. That's between him and Hashem. Maybe he's a chayla. Maybe he's a shaita. Maybe he's an oinus. Maybe he's a shaygig. Maybe he's a mazid. That's between him and God. Who comes him kipper? Who's in charge between your averis and, and how bad you were? And if you're not so bad and you tried and you didn't try, that's between you and Hashem. Nobody is in charge of somebody else's ruchnias. It's not our business, said Rish Diamond. Message number three. But what is our business? Our concern is to try to create a loving, healthy home so that hopefully one day he'll want to come back to us. That's our achrayis. What could you do about your kip sibling who's Machal Shabbos? Nothing. But if you create a loving environment at home, and again we see the same message from the Litva Shevelt and from the Chesid Shevelt. If we have a loving, healthy home, they calm down one day. If it's a year or it's 10 years, it's 20 years, not our geshefet. So many people are sick. The hospital never throws them out. They treat as much as we can, and you wait for the refuah to come. And that's our job, to create a loving, healthy home so that hopefully one day he'll want to come back to us. What's clear from Rib Steinman is, Richuk, looking down at a person, looking at him like Bismashigah, or you're not good, which does not create a loving, healthy home environment, is definitely not allowed to be done. That's for sure not allowed to be done, not according to anybody that I've ever seen give any advice about this. Now, you may say to yourself, hey, he looks like he's having fun. Sometimes they look like they're having fun. You have to think deeper. They're destroying their lives. They're not going to be able to be Erlich and Frum and stable. They don't end up getting married. It's not, none of them become successful lawyers living in Manhattan and being a Psagraba successful guy. These are not the kids that are doing that. These kids are falling apart because something is broken in their brain. Now, you're going to say, yeah, but it looks like they're, they're having a good time. So imagine that Donald Trump puts out a, makes a big news conference and he says, Rabbi Isai, I'm sick and tired of being rich. I am donating all my money, all my hotels and everything to charity. I'm living in a trailer park. I kept $20,000. I bought myself a trailer and I'm going to collect beer bottles and I'm going to, and, and I'm going to be in, in the trailer park. So would anybody say that that's normal? They would say he had a nervous breakdown. Why? Well, it's a nervous breakdown. He doesn't want the pressure. It's a good life. And then you go visit him two weeks later. And you know how you'll know if he's really sick? 
if he's not complaining and he's happy. If you go there and he's like, this is great, ah, and he's sitting there in his undershirt and his wife beater, and he's watching his uh, black and white TV with the antenna on it from 1920, and he, and, he, and he says, I'm happy, the more happy he thinks he is, the more sick he is. And the Siva Shalom says, imagine that somebody falls into a bar amok, a deep pit, falls all the way down 100 feet. As long as you hear him screaming, get me out of here, it's a simon that he knows what's cooking in his head, and Mitzvah he'll be healthy. But what if you don't hear anything? What if you call down, Chaim, hello, no answer. It's a sign that the nefila was really bad, he must have hit his head, and he's not doesn't know what's going on. And I want to add on that there's a third madrega that unfortunately we see today. What if you scream now, Chaim, don't worry, we're coming to get you. And he screams up, get me? I love it down here. You guys should come down here. Don't worry, I'm sending up a rope to get you, to save you. You guys are crazy. What would you say about that person? You would say that the nefila was so bad, the fool was so he hit his head so bad, that not only he's brain dead, he's even worse than brain dead. He's meshuga. That he thinks good is bad and bad is good. And Siva Shalom says, What's Pashit Pshat? Or Pushit Pshat? Depends which chair you're in here. Pashit or Pushit Pshat is, They couldn't drink water in Mara, in that place called Mara. Because the water is bitter. It says in the Siva Shalom, there was nothing wrong with the water. They went three days, it says, without water. And then they got Taira, and Taira already tasted bitter to them. If you're sick and you go three days without water with food, and someone gives you a delicious meal, and you're going to say it's disgusting. Why? The steak is disgusting? You think steak is disgusting? You know what that means? You're bitter. If I give you a delicious lollipop to a child, and he says, oh, this tastes salty, Kimarim Haim, there's nothing wrong with the lolly. There's something wrong with his taste buds. There are sick people in the Siva Shulam brings down. There's a sickness that your taste buds can switch, and what's bitter tastes sweet, and what's sweet tastes bitter. He says, in Ruchnis also you can be sick. And what's bitter, Moitzani Esoisha Marmi Movis, what's bitter, Averis that are bitter, they can taste sweet. And the guy says, ooh, this is yum. And things that are sweet, Tayr is Masuk Midvash, right? And can taste bitter to him. So that means Tyre became bitter? It means that the person who can't be in our life is sick. They became sick. You go out and you're driving and you see a homeless guy and you say, hey, why don't you get a job? And he says, you're kidding? What are you, crazy? You guys are nuts. You got a job. You're working and then you need clothing and then you have to go ahead and, and pay taxes. I don't have any problem. I have no electric bill. I sleep here under the train. I'm a happy guy. Is he a happy guy? He's bankrupt. He's homeless. If your brother, your sister is throwing away a beautiful future to have a Yiddish life and a stable life and to have children and build a beautiful family and they're throwing it away for what? So you see, maybe they're happy, they're not happy. I, they look happy, they want you to think they're happy because that's part of the, the sickness. That's part of the sickness that, uh, look, I'm having a great time. You're looking at them, you're having a great time. You look terrible, you don't have a chance of getting married to anybody stable, you don't have a chance to having a normal family, to, getting, to having children and, and raising children. Forget about Yiddish, you're not even going to be normal. So this is, this is smart. See people today, Nebuchadnezzar, they're throwing away a wife, they're throwing away kids, they're throwing away parents, they're throwing everything. No normal person would do that just for a shtickle McDonald's. It's much deeper. Kimar and they're very bitter. So even if they look like they're having fun, 
you should know that they're really miserable inside. And that's why we have to give them the love that's going to make them comfortable in our house, more comfortable than when they're on the street. When they go out on the street, they have all these thousands of people saying, come to us, come to Footsteps, come to the parks, come to the lakes, and we, and we love you, you're great. We need to make them feel you're great, we love you more than those kids on the... And it's very hard, because they're really different than us. So we have to compensate for the difference. We have to make them not feel that they're different, even though they're so different. Have we done as kol ha'odam l'kav schus? So Sasema says, it should say, have we done kol adam? You should judge everybody favorably. Why have I done as kol ha'adam? What does kol ha'adam mean? The whole, the person? Says as Fasemis, you shouldn't judge anybody. But if you're going to judge somebody, judge as kol ha'adam, the Gansamench, from when he was born, everything that happened to him, and you'll see, it'll be lekav schus. So I don't say, don't judge people. I say, you want to judge, no problem. But you have to be a good judge. You have to be able to see everything that happened to the person, everything that's in his system, everything within his brain, and anything that happened to him, and all his midas. And then you can judge. But if you don't know that, which of course you don't know that, you don't know what the person's midas that he was born with, and how much he hurry, how much he taif, how much trauma he went through, you don't know anything. So you're just going to judge part of the story. That's not called judging. That's called being an idiot. You're going to sit and be a judge without knowing all the facts? You're not going to ask the lawyer, and you're not going to ask the defendant, and you're not going to ask the witnesses. Can you imagine a judge? And, he's, and we say, uh, Your Honor, we have 12 witnesses that saw what happened. He says, Nah, I don't need to hear from them. I think that he's good, or I think that he's bad. That's not a judge. What we see from these children is the outer, 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 outer part. The chitzainius of what's going on inside, deep inside their brains. And on that we're going to judge. That's not called being judgmental. It's called being an unfair person who's not judging properly. Only the Abishta is the right judge. The Abishta can judge. He knows, Yedea called Talumai slave, Lefanecha Goli. Everything is open to Hashem. He can judge. The Abishta is a Shafit, no problem. But for us to judge another Yid, we're over ourselves in Avera. Have a done as Kal Ha'adam Lekavschus. Now we're judging them for being OTD, for doing Averis, but we're doing the Avera by judging them. So who's OTD? Maybe they're more OTD. But we're going ahead and doing an Avera in judging them for the Averis that they do. It's our Chiyuv. We're not allowed to judge somebody until you reach their Mokim. The Svasem says, you'll never reach somebody else's place. Everybody has their own life. The same kind of theme as we just said before. So when you go ahead and you judge somebody, you're over Havidon Eskol HaOdom L'Kav Schus, and you're over Altadon Eschavercha Ad Shetagia Lam Koymoy. The Mayridic story of Remairel. Remairel in Pimishlan. One night, by Friday night, he made Kiddush and he waited a half hour with the kais in his hand. He's looking around and he's waiting. And after half an hour, Yoyim Hashishi. After Kiddush, they went over to him. Yilamdenu Rabbeinu. Rebbe, what's going on over here? Why'd you wait a half an hour? So he told them quietly, he explained, he said, Every week before Kiddush, I look around the room. And I find a way that every person here around the table is better than me. That's a tzaddik. I find some midah that every person here in the room, some midah that they're better than me. Tonight, this guy walked in from across town. He's a boor, an ama aritz, a lowlife, a rusha, a drunk. He, he, he's, he's poor, he's homeless. He had every chesar in the world. For a half an hour, I'm trying to think, in what way is this guy better than me? After a half an hour, I realized, if I would be him, would I walk across town to hear Kiddush from Remairel? Never. So he's better than me. That's when I made Kiddush. When you look at these people, 
you have to realize you don't know what they've been through. You, if you know a little bit, or if you think a little bit, you can imagine, you have to say, if, if I was him, who says I would be better than what he's doing? Maybe he's better than me. And maybe just I could say, Baruch Hashem, that I didn't have his pain, or I didn't have his nesayin, or I didn't have his breakdown, whatever it is. But you find a way to make sure that you can say that every single person is better than me. That's what the Torah does. We have no right to be the judge and the jury. We have no right to think we would be better. The Siva Shulam brings out that Pshim came out of the cave after 12 years in the cave, and he got upset when he saw people wasting time, and fire came out of his eyes and he was burning stuff. What would you say? I would say, that is so cool. He's my hero. He's, so, he's such a tzaddik. He must be mamish. That is the roots in Hashem. But that's not what happened. The Baskal came out and said, you went, you, all your holiness and what you're coming out, uh, out of after all your holiness is to destroy my world? What? Criticism. He couldn't tolerate people wasting time. Every person who's a Ba Madrega looks at people wasting time. Meshiflus and look what a prost guy. Come on, you're wasting time. Shtaig, instead of learning, you're giving up Ailam Abaf, Ailam Azah. That was Rabshim Ba'ichai, times a million. Twelve years in, in, in that cave. Right? And reached the highest Madregas in the world. And the Baskal says, No, you missed the boat, Shimon. All your tire, all the the growing that you did, it, it brought you to a place where you're judging people for not being holy like you? Go back into the cave. So he went back into the cave for how long? 12 months. 12 months. Why? Maximum time a Russia goes to Gehenna is 12 months. He gave him, the, the cave was Mamash Gehenna. The cave was hell. It was, it was Mamash horrible. And he said, the biggest Rusha Goes for 12 months, I'm going to take 12 months because I am equal to the biggest Rusha. What was his sin? Looking down at Yenem. He went back into the cave. So I have a question for you. Where did he get the problem? He became so holy in the cave. So now he has to become less holy, no? If he became too holy, he shouldn't have gone into the cave. He should have gone to a, on, a, on a vacation. Chill a little bit. Tarot says he didn't become less holy. He became more holy. He became a higher Madrega where I am me with all my holiness and yet I don't look down at anybody. That's what he tutored off in the 12 months. You look at the holy Zaira Kaddish, how he defends every Rusha and he defends everything. That's what he got in the last 12 months. First he built himself up, but then he realized I still have a Pagam. Nesiva Shalom says, he realized that I ended up having the biggest Pagam because I looked down at Nachayid. If you sit and you learn and you shtag and you think you're great, but you end up with a Pagam, like a pimple on your nose. And you're looking at everybody, oh, he's ugly, he's ugly, he's ugly. Meanwhile, you have a big pimple on your nose. The biggest pagam is looking down at Nachayid. Even if you're right, that it looks like what they're doing is wrong, you're not allowed to look down at other Eden. So you have to think about this. What is your gain over here? Everything is bashert, which means it's bashert for you to have this brother or this sister in your life. And you can't change that. You can't pick your nesayin. You can't fix that your brother or your sister, that your kip sibling should not be acting crazy. That you can't fix. But you can either decide to lose over the next year, two, three, whatever it is, or gain and steig. How can you lose and how can you steig? When you do chesed, you grow in amuna, you grow on patience, intolerance, and you understand how to talk to somebody and not get angry, not get frustrated, you explain yourself calmly, you'll end up being a much better wife, mother, husband, father, a much better yid. We know that if somebody wants to get angry and doesn't get angry, it's not a little thing. It really sounds like it has nothing to do with Yiddishkeit. 
What, why is this Yiddishkeit? I want to get angry and I don't get angry. So I wasn't Pekas. So that sounds like, oh, it's, you're a nice person. Is that Yiddishkeit? But yet, Mavra Amidaisav, Mavirin, Menikob Shuav. You go to Yom Kippur, clean. What happened? You wanted to come home and then you were about to do something and then because this crazy person did something and you lost a half an hour and you were going to get angry and you don't get angry. Kolb Shav? It's unbelievable. It's not a mitzvah. You didn't, you didn't learn. You're not doing chesed. You're not giving miser money. You're controlling your temper. You're controlling. You want to be jealous and you're not jealous. You want to be frustrated and you're not frustrated. You want to be embarrassed? You say, I'm not going to be embarrassed. And you get complete mechilas avoynis? Isn't that unbelievable? Because part of Yiddishkeit is to control yourself. You're in a situation where you can get angry, and you have every right to be angry. And your sister takes away from the girls, they take away, steal the brush, and your brother takes away this, and all this is all true. And you can take a deep breath and say, it's okay, I'm a vater. I'm a vater. I give up. I, I give in. And, and the schar for that mitzvah is mavim met a kolb shav. It's unbelievable. A constant source of chances to be able to get your, your averis forgiven. Tzadikim understood that when you give up your ruchnius, not just gashmius, your ruchnius, in order to help someone out, you actually get an upgrade to your ruchnius. Yenem's gashmius, right, is your ruchnius. Where do we see in the Torah that you give up your ruchnius for somebody's gashmius? Let's start at the beginning. The very first deed, Avram Ovini, Avram Avinu, Father Abraham, was talking directly to Hashem, and he left the Shechina to go look for some Arabs who need some food. What does that mean? Can you imagine? You're middle of Shemayn right? We're not allowed to do this, by the way, but that's what he was. He was middle of Esra. He was talking to Hashem. He sees over there three people. Let me go. He says, Hashem, I'm sorry. We'll pick this up later. I got to go take care of some, not even Jews, Arabs. Is more than talking to the Shechina. So you see that Yenem's Gashmis, right, is more than Unzer Ruchnis. Let's see another one. Vashem Omer al Avram, Achre he parred late me imoi. Zagrashi, Kozman Sharashi imoi, Hoyadiba Parishmimenu. Every day, Avram Avinu had a conference call with Hashem. His troubled nephew Light moved into his house, and Hashem stopped coming to him. So what would you do? I would send light out of my house. Say, listen, I'd love to be nice and do chesed, but Hashem stopped coming to me. Hashem himself, the Shechina, stopped coming to my house. Instead, what did Avram Avinu do? He kept light for as long as he could, even though he knew that every day the Shechina is not there. Finally, he had no choice. He had to get rid of light. And all of a sudden, Hashem Amar al-Avram, he got the Shechina back. Who was ready to give up the Shechina, talking directly to Hashem, to keep your troubled sibling or relative in your house, knowing that the Shechina doesn't come. Avraham Avinu, that's exactly what he did. The Baal Shem Tev said, Sometimes you have to waste time and schmooze with people. Don't feel bad that you're wasting time because Hashem wants you to serve Him in many different ways. It's not a waste of time. If you say, I can't schmooze with you and I'm going to learn, sometimes it's the right thing, sometimes it's the wrong thing. But when you have someone who's sick, someone who's depressed, someone who has issues, and you're giving up a chance to be mechazek them just with your friendship, 
to smile because you're so holy that you have to go ahead and, and learn Odavin, you could be making a very big mistake. And of course, you need for each individual situation your Rav, your Das Torah to tell you how to juggle this. But I'm just opening up your mind the way Tzadikim used to do it. The Chazanish. He says that everyone says the bracha every morning, Shaloi Osani Goy, thanking Hashem. He was not made a Goy. It's true you aren't a Goy. But how much of a Yid are you? What percentage of a Yid are you? Says the Chazanish, this depends on how devoted you are to helping your fellow man. The more that you're ready to give up for another Jew, the more of a Jew you are. Give up. Give up means my seat in the car. Give up means uh, money. Tell Tati Mami, take my Hanukkah guilt and, and give it to my sister and my brother. Give up means Ruchnius as well. I want to go learn, but I need to go ahead and help out or do something for somebody else. Says the Chazanish, the more you're ready to give up for another Jew, the more of a Jew you are. They ask the Chazanish, how come you spend so much time talking to people to be Mechazik them? It's Bittal Torah. Chazanish, you can imagine his level of learning. And he gave up his level of learning like all tzaddikim do. All tzaddikim have hours that you go and you schmooze with them. They're tzaddikim. They love learning. They can learn on the highest level. Why are they giving up their learning time to go and schmooze and to have kabbalat kahal, to have the, the kabulis kahal, or whatever you call it, right? Why? Because that's part of being a yid, is giving up of what I want for my own ruchnius and my own gashmius, for yenem. Kedushasiyan said, Yanim's gashmis is your rachnis. When you help someone else with their physical needs, you become spiritually elevated. The Chazanish said, this is an unbelievable story. Once before Tkiyah Shaifer, the Chazanish overheard a conversation between a young child and his father. The child told his father that he was hungry. The father explained to his son that it wasn't a good time to leave the base madras just right then because he would miss hearing the Shaifer. Stay for the first 30 Tkiyahs. It won't take very long and then you can go home. Sounds reasonable. This is not a sick chi- not a sick kid, not a sick child, a healthy child. Your kid brother, he tells you, I'm hungry. You say, you know what? Stay for the 30 tkiyas. How long is it? Five, ten minutes? And then you can go home. Although before, before blowing the shayfer, the meaning is to say, la seven times. That year, the chazanisht asked the chazan to skip saying it and immediately begin blowing the shayfer. Why? Because the chazanisht wanted to help a hungry child get home a few minutes earlier. Pile ployim. Whatever reason that we're supposed to say this seven times before Tekiyah Shaifer, I don't know the reason, but I'm sure there's a very good reason. I'm sure I'll be Kabula and I'll be this and I'll be that. It's opening up, it's doing, otherwise we wouldn't do it. It was chosen, this was chosen before Tekiyah Shaifer, which is the most serious time of the year. And the Chazanish said, skip it. Go straight to the Tekiyahs. Not because this dying kid has to go to the hospital. A healthy kid, he could have waited another ten minutes, but he would have a Hanah if he eats a few minutes earlier. So to save this kid, that he shouldn't be hungry for a few extra minutes, the Chazanish said, skip Lama Tzayach Isn't that amazing? Is that the most amazing story ever in your life? None of us would do that. None of us would do that. We would, you're going to be abolish it for the whole kehila, for the, all the things it's going to do in Shemayim, to help out a little Keteritzis. He didn't, obviously was not making Klal Yisrael lose out. This is an upgrade. We care about each other. That's the best thing to have going into Tkir Shoifer. The Beis Yisrael, I heard the story from Bavram Shur. He went out in Yom Kippur afternoon, I guess because there's a break in Ger, a nice long one, that's why I daven in Ger in Yom Kippur, four-hour break. And he went out and he saw a guy eating on Yom Kippur. A mamasha, a koifer, a shaygitzel. Right? He saw a guy, Mechal Yom Kippur. And you know what he did? Shmoozed with him. 
schmoozed and schmoozed and schmoozed, and he missed Mincha and Nila on Yom Kippur. Because he wanted to create a connection, so that way eventually he can get him in. And Baisul was very known, he made a lot of Alichiva. There's a lot of guys that went to Brisk and ended up in Ger. He used to get a lot of guys that chapped them in, and he made a lot of Alichiva. At the end of his life, he was very sick. And he said, this is one Avera I never regretted doing. This is one Avera on Yom Kippur that I never regretted doing. And then he added, even though I didn't accomplish anything. What? You wasted your Yom Kippur and you got nothing. If I was going to give up my Nila, okay, to schmooze with somebody, and the end of the day was, because of that, he ended up becoming a father of 12 and a Shoyim Mitzvah, I would feel good. But imagine, I, I waste my Nila, Right? And I get nothing. I lose the guy. He never becomes from. I would say like, Kerech Mikan, Rekerech Mikan. I mamish gave up my needle for no reason. And the basis Israel said, it's one Avera, I never regretted doing, even though I accomplished nothing. Why? Because the Zayar Kaddish says that if you would know the schar that you get for trying to bring back Yedashikinah to Hashem, you would run after it like you run after life. Imagine that you're going to die and you need a certain pill, and the pill is in your father's car, and your father doesn't know that you need it now, or an EpiPen, huh? Okay, you're allergic to nuts, and you, and the EpiPen is in the car, and the car starts driving, your father's driving away, he doesn't see you. And you know you have, uh, how long, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, until you're dead. You're going to run after that minivan, bang, running, give me, you're going to, as much as you can, try, and, that's my life. Says the Zaire Kaddish, if you knew the schar for trying, to create the connections in order to make the person comfortable, in order to have an influence long term. If you knew the schar for trying to do what you wonderful people are doing, you would run after this chance like a person runs after life. And that's what the Beis Yisrael knew. He ran after it like life. The most important thing. The Zayar Kaddish in Pashas Chuma says, there's no schar in the world for any learning, davening, or chesed, there's no mitzvah, avoid Hashem that you can do, that the schar comes close to being mishtadel, to return a Jew to Hashem. And he goes into detail, it's in Twisted Parenting Manual, you can look at it from your parents, or you can look it up. He goes into detail that after you die, you go up to Shemayim, and they put you into the penthouse on the 12th floor. And they want to come, the angels come, and they say, what's this guy going in the penthouse? That's for the Me'atzitz Kedeli Atayra. That's for the Rebbes. That's for Moshe Rebbein. It's for Shimon Bayechai. This guy over here doesn't belong over there. But nobody could be Moshe. You know why? The bodyguards come, and they say, leave him alone. He's going up, 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 up. What do you mean? He's a little schnook. He belongs on the second floor, the third floor, the fourth floor, big masmid, sixth floor. He doesn't go on the twelfth floor. And your bodyguards come, and they say, no, no, no. He tried to bring back lost souls to Hashem. So he goes up with the biggest tzaddikim, even though he was way down there. He didn't deserve to be up there. You have to run after this mitzvah to do anything that's going to work, which we know starts with being nice and having a great connection with the person. Like it says by Aaron, It means before Mekarvan Lutayr, he was Ayav Sabrias. He really loved them. And by loving them, that's how he was Mekarvan them to Taira, through that connection of love. And then we see the same thing from the Litzvashevelt. Mary the story of Baron Cutler. There was a boy who they were throwing out of Yeshiva in Lakewood. This must be 70, 80 years ago. Why? Because in Michal Shabbos, he was smoking on Shabbos. And they went, it was around Rosh Hashanah Kippur time, and the Askanim went to Rebaran. Rebaran said, Don't throw him out yet. Wait till Yom Kippur Nila and try to bring him to Shul by Nila. Now, can you imagine 
what these Askanim probably thought would happen. Reb Aaron wants this Mechal Shabbos, low life, the lowest Jew in the world, to be by Reb Aaron by Nila. What would happen if this kid would be there? This is what I think Reb Aaron would do. Everyone's going to start Nila, and he's going to get up and he's going to give a speech. He's going to give a fiery speech about Gehenim and about this is a chance to do Tshuva. And then he's going to point to that guy and he's going to say, stand up, carry him here. And then everyone's going to carry him. He's going to rip open the Uren Kaidish. He's going to open a Sefer Torah and make him swear that he's going to, right? Wouldn't he do something crazy like that? This is a big opportunity. Nila, Yim Kippur, Mechal Shabbos. This is your chance to go ahead and get the guy back. What are you going to do? You know what Baron did? He told them, when he came to Nila, Reb Aaron told the Baltfila, you continue davening without me, don't wait for me. And he went to sit next down to the boy, and he schmoozed with him. What's going on with your life? How are you doing? And he continued schmoozing for the, him with the entire Nila. No mushach. He didn't say any mushach. You know what mushach is? No musr. Misr. No mushach. Nothing. No criticism. How are you? Is The boy realized what's going on over here. And they asked her Baron afterwards, pinked, pinked, or punked by Nila. That's when you have to schmooze You couldn't schmooze with him two hours later. You couldn't tell him to come the next morning. And Baron said, this boy is so lost. He needed to know that he means more to me than my Nila. The smallest, biggest Rusha needed to know that the biggest good will be Yisrael cares about him more than he does about Nila. And that's what turned the boy around. The Rosham that this so to speak, Russia, needed. He needed to be shaken up, but not physically shaken up, and not embarrassed, and not criticized. He needed so much a dose of chemo, a dose of love, that you are more important to me than anything. I'm willing to give up my Nila. Can you imagine what the base is, what Aaron Cutler, what they were able to play, Lysishias, Rafias, Vagans, Klaus, by Nila? I mean, this is Mamish Nila. And they're wasting it? On a, on a, on a shaygitz? On someone that people want to throw out of the community? And people want to excommunicate them and do kares on this person? And they're bending over backwards and giving up their nila? Because that's what Sadiqim did. They knew that this is an upgrade to their nila, even if he doesn't come back. It's an upgrade. Shem gives you an opportunity to do something amazing. That's the opportunity you have to schmooze with your brother, with your sister, and to give up for them. Exactly when and where you have to ask your das Torah. But Avada, this is the main concept. Rabbi Cheskel of Kushmir, he said that when you're going to shul on Yom Kippur wearing your kittel and a friend tells you, please come for a walk with me, I need to discuss my problems with you. I have issues. He got into a fight with his wife or whatever it was. He lost his money and he's feeling like I need to talk to somebody. You should go with him. You give up Nila with your kittel. You go for a spazir with your friend. You don't tell him, let's talk later. You know why? Because what do you want to do on Yom Kippur? Tshuva. And giving up your precious time. To listen to a friend share his troubles is the beginning of tshuva, since loving your fellow Jew as yourself, is a is a major principle of the Torah. So by showing that's tshuva. You're going to tell him, ah, not now, I can't talk, I'll talk to you later. But he needs to talk now. This is the way to go into Yom Kippur, to waste, so to speak, your nila, because your friend has something with licked him off in hearts. If Shlomka's villa was found on the way to Kol Nidre, he was walking with his talus and his Yom Kippur kittle, and he noticed someone's sewer pipe broke. So he got dirty, and he, he, somebody saw him holding a sewer pipe in his hands, helping, helping the plumber. 
So the guy told to the Rebbe, Rebbe, is this the right thing before Yom Kippur? It's Mamash Yom Kippur. Is this the right thing, right time for such things? In a calm voice, Reb Shlomke answered, I'm doing what the Kain Gadol did when he was in the base, Amigdash Kachay Kadashim. And they understood that this is chesed. Doing chesed for Aid, giving up your nila, giving up your, it doesn't have to only be once a year nila. Giving up from your, I have to go daven, I have to go learn. If it's a time, it's Ace Ratzin, to connect to a person, you have to know what the Torah wants from you to do and find out the Ratzin Hashem. Reb David of Lelev was seen moments before Yom Kippur rocking the crib of a crying baby. The Chayzer from Lublin, he wanted to approach the mitzvah of Shaifa with at least one good deed. Can you imagine? The Chayzer. He's thinking, I need one good deed. Okay? Because of his intense anivus, his humility, he couldn't find any deeds that were worthy. Then he remembered the time that he asked the Gabbai to awaken him early in the morning because he wanted to do a certain mitzvah. And the Gabbai forgot and overslept. And when the Chayzer awoke, it was too late to perform the mitzvah. The Chayzer thought to himself, when the Gabbai comes in, I'm going to rebuke him. I'm going to give him Musr harshly for his negligence. But afterwards, the Chayzer thought, I wanted to awaken early because I wanted to do Hashem's will, the Ratzon Hashem. Now it's Hashem's will that I don't become angry. And when the Gabbai came in, the Chayzer didn't say anything to him. With this merit, he approached Tkiyah Shaifer. Out of all of the things the tzaddik, of the mitzvahs and the masam toivim of the chayzer, he thought, this is the one that I can go to Tekiah Shaifer. Because I was going to get angry, I had a right to get angry. Because my brother took and ruined my day and stole my this and took my money and stole Yeah, and I chose not to get angry. That's the biggest chis to go into Tekiah Shaifer. So yeah, sometimes you're going to be embarrassed. It's very embarrassing. You all have a reason to be embarrassed. Your brother, your sister, acting cuckoo, crazy, different color hair doing all kinds of embarrassing things. But you have to realize that it's not you. You're talking embarrassed, but them, it's their whole being that is getting mamish ruined. And we have to overcome that embarrassment to save them. Sometimes you're going to have peers, you're going to have friends, they're going to, they're going to whisper behind your back, oh, he has a kid, oh, you, you know, your brother looks like a girl, and sister, and you're going to hear all this kind of things, I'm a shiksa, I'm a shigana, and you're going to hear this, Right? You know what the, the way, what you do with it? You tell them as follows. You say, thanks for your concern. My brother or sister is going through a hard time right now. It makes us all very sad. I would really appreciate it if you would please say a shtickle, a kapitel tehillim every day for him. And if, if you're too shy to say that to their face, you write it down. You'll see they're going to stop. They're going to stop shushkening. They're going to stop bothering you. Tell them, Taka, we're very sad. He's going through a very hard time. Shtel a hand. Go ahead, say a couple of them every day. And right away, you'll see that they're not going to chepper you anymore. And we have to remember, every moment that you want to talk and you close your mouth and you don't say something negative and you swallow and you're not going to get angry. This is Mamash Yiddishkeit. You zeichel to a tremendous light that even And of course, we have to remember that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinaschinam. What's going to rectify the sin of, of, of Sinaschinam? Avada learning Torah is gavaldic, but it's about somebody else. Ahavaschinam. When I love you for no reason, I love you because you're a Jew. I love you because you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my cousin, you're my nephew, you're my niece. And that alone means that I'm going to love you for no reason. You don't deserve it. You're smelly and you're stinky and you're smoking this and you're eating that and it's horrible and I don't want to. But you're my brother. You're my Ahavtlurecha Kamaycha. Right? Every Yid is a brother also. So that is going to rectify the sin of, of um, sin as chinam. So we have 
endless chesed opportunities that you're all going to have as a brother and a sister of these kids. You have endless chesed opportunities just to be nice to a brother, to help somebody who's down. Reb Chaim Kanievsky said that these kids are the mace mitzvah of our generation. Can you imagine the Kayin Gadol going on the holiest, the holiest person, the holiest day to the holiest place? The Kayin Gadol, Anyam Kippur, going to Kachay Gadashim. And while he's going, he sees a dead person, a mace mitzvah on the side. What does he have to do? He has to be Matame himself. What do you mean? I'll leave it for the next person. No, Hashem gave you this mitzvah now. And it's more important than you being in the Kachay Gadashim on Yom Kippur to be Matame yourself. You have to think about that. Reb Chaim Kanievsky said, and Reb Gamliel Rabbanovich said also, that these children are the mace mitzvah of our generation. You're going to ignore them and look the other way? It's your mitzvah that Hashem was mazmin to you, to be metapal with them, to love them, to smile, to make them feel like they're normal, give them a little happiness, save them from depression, anxiety, feeling disconnected from Gal Yisrael. That's all your job. It's your schus, and it's your responsibility. There's no need to go visit sick people or old people. You don't have to go to the old age home to find a sad person to make them smile. You don't need to go to the hospital to take a sick person and make them smile. You have it in your house all the time. You have to say, I'm going to take this person who's obviously sick and I'm going to make them smile. And I'm going to give up for them and give up for them. And that is the Avoid session that you're doing. Buy a nice card, a small gift. You buy a tchotchke here, here and there. You know that they like a certain pizza. You buy a pizza. You go out of your way to give and give and to make sure that they feel love from you. Show that you're concerned. Get him food. Smile. And do chesed shel emes. Chesed shel emes means that I'm doing it. I don't expect to ever get it back. I'm doing it because it needs to be done. I'm doing it because this is a sick, depressed nebuch of a person who needs smiles. And when we all, from all sides of the family, bake in smiles and smiles and smiles, we know that we have a chance of saving them, first of all, from not hurting themselves. Nebuch and Klal Yisrael, last year from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, we had Kamat 20, Kamat 90 suicides and overdoses. I mean, we buried almost 90 kids and young adults from suicides and overdoses, if they're loved by their, by their siblings and by their family, then you, have, you really have a high chance that that's not going to happen. Ramesha Feinstein said, you give tzedakah of your, of your time. Just like you're supposed to give meiser 10% of your money, you should give meiser of your time. And if Kuppelman said, you get rich from giving meiser, so too... When you give Meiser of your time, you can get rich with your time. The Ebishta is going to give you back and pay you your time. And I say, you should give Meiser from your happiness. For every ten smiles that Hashem gives you, ten good jokes that you laugh, you give one smile to somebody who needs it. You make somebody else smile. And just like every Meiser, it's Asa B'Shvil Shetis Asher. Hashem will give you happiness in your life. And He'll give you, you're never going to lose. Especially with a smile, it's very good. When you smile and you give someone else a smile, you're also smiling. So you never lose. But when you give your money to help poor people who are tzabrachin, you give your time and you should give your happiness. Your cup is Baruch Hashem full. And when you give, you never lose out. Hashem always fills you up. So give and give and give and be thankful to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, that I can be a giver. My father told me a story that he knew a billionaire, like a really rich guy, like 60 years ago. And this guy was like a very royal person. He was a Syrian Jew. He had like a tuxedo, like a, like a limousine. He was like way out of everybody's ballpark. For some reason, my father owed him money. Maybe the, the, a drink came and the guy paid for it. I don't remember the story. My father went over to him with a few dollars to give it back to him. He said, this is the money I owe you. He put up his hand. He said, no, no, no. I don't take. I only give. This is a one-way. He said, I, I never take from anybody. This was this guy's idea. I never take from anybody. I just give. You should also say, Hashem, you know what? 
I'll give and give and give and give and give and give. I'll give time. I'll give attention. I'll let them. I won't be jealous. Let them have the money. Let them have the Hanukkah presents. Let them have the toys. Let them have the pitch of kids. They could smoke in the room. It bothers me. I don't care. I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to give up of myself. I'm going to become an ayin to make a yeshma ayin. I'm going to just give. And when you give, you never lose. You become der haibin. So you should be thankful that you can be the giver. Finally, it says mipsarcha altis alim. Mipsarcha altis alim is allowed in the Torah to ignore. Your relative who is suffering. If you have a relative in a hospital, you have a chiv to visit them. If you have a relative who's poor, you have a chiv more than other strangers to go and raise money for them. Shmuel Kamenetsky said that the same thing applies when you have a brother or a sister, a person has a chiv to be makar of your family. A person has a chiv to take care of people in your family who are emotionally or spiritually unwell. It's a chiyav, a lav, and a Torah. You're not allowed to say, I have to go learn and ignore the fact that there's somebody hurting in your house. You have to say, what can I do to be mechazek this person? What can I do? And to give up for them, to make them smile, to make them feel loved. You could say, I'm in yeshiva, I have a zman, I can't go to the hospital to visit the sick person. You're wrong. I can't go raise money for the person. I'm in yeshiva. I'm yeshiva bach. I'm steiging. I'm learning. I have to be Isaac with my things. I have to get an esrik for yantif. How am I supposed to go? No. If you have a, a sibling or a relative that lost all their money and doesn't have food, it's your responsibility to take off time of learning to go ahead and help them. is for for emotional and spiritual pain. Don't be selfish. That's not part of our religion. I give up my zman. I give up my seder. I give up my learning, my davening. To go and help somebody who is spiritually and emotionally unwell. Chayla, as we said before. In practical terms, when and where, every person has to have their own roof, their own mentor. You need somebody to guide you. But we have to know that this is Dua Azah concept. And certainly, if you're going to be makel, you should be makel to help somebody else. If you're not sure what to do, Suffolk, somebody else, is Kula or Lechumra, whatever you want to call it, to go ahead and take care of your family. I want to tell you something else. As a sibling, you should know when your parents see you being nice to your sister or brother, to make them laugh, to make them happy, it gives parents tremendous nachas. I can't explain it to you. Until your parents, you, you won't understand it. It gives parents nachas when they see a daughter, a son-in-law, a, a daughter-in-law, a son, when they see their children loving each other. I have my kids in Eretz Yisrael, and they told me Shabbos was so nice. We went, one sister went to her brother. And I got nachas from it. Healthy kids sitting and learning, but they ate the meal together. Parents feel good when you see your children caring for each other. Your parents are suffering so much. You're giving them a nachasurach when you chill with your sister, your brother. Instead of going to learn or to go to take care of your own stuff, you sit and you play a game with them. You're giving them a nachasurach, 100%. And then I was thinking, so imagine Hashem. He's our father. See, he wants to see this also with everybody. He wants to see a Jew, go to any Jew out there that's a brother. These are all his children. And we give up and we care and we pull over our car and we give someone a hug, we give someone to care about our brothers and sisters gives a nachas ruach to the Ebishta. You have to realize that you're lucky. Why? Because as much pain as you're in, it's not you that fell apart. Hopefully you have a happy life and a healthy life and a chance for a future. You have to be happy that this is your tzara, nebuch, that your brother, that your sister fell apart, but at least you're not them. You have to thank Hashem you're going to use a nitz ois, the opportunity, to steig in every way possible. So there was a story, I forgot which Rebbe it was. There was a story that there was two guys, Chaim and Moshe, that were both very rich. 
And they did a shidduch together. And each one pledged, I don't know, a million ruble to the chasen kala. After the vart, the tenoyim, Moshe lost all his money. Chaim said, okay, if you can't pay your money, I want to cancel the shidduch. Moshe said, how can you cancel the shidduch? It's not fair. I, don't, I lost my money. It's not that I don't want to give it. So they had a whole fight. So Chaim decided, I'm going to go ask the Rebbe. I forgot which Rebbe it was, what I should do. He got into his horse and buggy. He went across Europe from country to country, to state to state, town to town, whatever it was. He comes to his Rebbe right before Friday afternoon, right before Kabul Shabbos, right before Lechzen. He knocks on the door. The Rebbe opens up. Oh, Chaim, Mazel Tov. How are you? Rebbe, Baruch Hashem, I'm fine. But listen, the reason I came is because Moshe Nebuch lost all his money. I want to cancel the Shidduch because he can't pay any of the money that he promised. And Moshe said, that's not his fault and I should keep the Shidduch. So I came to ask the Rebbe what, what your advice is. So the Rebbe told him, right now we're going into Shabbos. Let's enjoy Shabbos together. And I'll talk to you, Matzah Shabbos. But Chaim, you're going to be happy you came to me. Ooh, Chaim thought to himself, I'm be happy you came. means I'm right. And the Rebbe's going to pass. And he enjoyed himself Friday night in Shabbos Day. And then he went to the mikveh and the davening and the shalshidis and the havdula. It was amazing. He had the best Shabbos of his life. After Shabbos, months of Shabbos, he goes into the Rebbe and the Rebbe tells him, Chaim, Khalila, you're not allowed to stop the Shidduch. In fact, you have to give money to Maisha also to help pay because he doesn't have any money, Nebuch. So Chaim says, Rebbe, I'll do whatever you want. But I don't understand. You told me, I'm going to be happy I came to you. The Rebbe said, no, you misunderstood me. I meant to say, you're going to be happy that you're the one coming to me, that the Mechitin lost all the money, and not that he came to me saying that you lost all the money. You're lucky that this is your problem, that you have, Be'ezus Hashem, a happy, healthy life ahead of you, but your Nebuch, your brother, and your sister are in trouble. So you should be happy that you came here, and you should do everything you can to grow from this situation. I've seen children fail Go through the pain, it's very painful, and walk out a year or two later, they didn't grow anything. They're selfish, and they're upset, and they're resentful, and they're jealous. How come you're always spending time with him? I told the sister, the fact that your parents are bending over backwards for your sister, your brother in pain, should make you feel loved, because they would do the same thing for you. They're not doing it because they like your sister or brother more than you. They're doing it because this, they have a fire. The kid is sick. Of course you're going to spend more time and money and energy on the sick kid. They would do it for you also. Fair, Rick Lavoie says, does not mean equal. Fair does not mean equal. Fair means everyone gets what they need. If you need braces, it costs $5,000, so now your parents should go give everyone in the family braces? Your brother's going to complain. I don't understand. Tati, you spent $5,000 on, on him, and what about me? I didn't get $5,000. Thank God, you don't need braces. Your parents are putting out, they're spending time and money and effort because they're putting out fires. They're trying to save their children's lives. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It means that hopefully you're stable enough so you can be part of the helping team. You can be part of the, the, the good guys, right? Part of helping out. It doesn't mean that they don't appreciate you. It means that right now we have an emergency. And until these children are healthy, as long as it takes, you always have to imagine what would your parents do if the child was in Sloan Kettering with cancer. It could take two years, 10 years, 20 years. Nobody's leaving the kid there and saying, I give up. I can't visit. The whole family chips in. It's very hard. You don't eat home-cooked meals because your mother's sleeping on a, on, a, on, a, on a chair next to the bed. It's very hard. It's very painful. But nobody expects the parents to not take care of the sick kid because that's what we do. We take care of the sick people. So you have to give your parents, you should go home and hug them and say, thank you. I realize that everything that you're doing for my brother, for my sister, you would do for me also if I was never sick. And I don't need it. And give them. Give them your time. Give them your energy. Give them your money. Give them everything that you have. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And you know where we see this? 
The Archaim HaKudosh brings out unbelievable. Yitzchak had two children, Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov was great. Ishtam Yeshev Alam, the whole Klausul came from Yaakov. What about Esav? Not so good. So he had a problem. First of all, we see Yitzchak was never Merachik Esav. One of, the, one of the reasons the Chazal say why he was blind was from the smoke of the Avodah in the house. Why didn't he tell him no smoking in the house? Can't smoke weed in the house. He had him smoking Avodah I'm assuming that he knew the difference between regular smoke and Avodah smoke. And it doesn't say. But Lamaisi, he had the shikses in the home. And when the two brothers had a problem, when one brother had to leave, who did he send away? Yaakov. Why? Because it says because he needed to keep Esav close. And he wanted to do anything in the world to be Makar of Esav. And now he's dying. And he failed. He was not able to be Makar of Esav all these years. So he's about to die, and he's thinking, what's going to be with Esav? You understand, if Yitzchak would have been able to be Makar of Esav, Klal Yisrael would be twice as big today. Twice as big. There would be four bubbles. Right? There would be 12 spinkers. Right? Klai- what? They're already 12. 24 speakers. There would be Mir Yeshiva and Eretz Yisrael would have 16,000 people learning there. BMG would have 11,000. I mean, it's twice as, twice as, I would have sold twice as many Shabbos and Mezhbush albums and Solid Gold albums. Twice as big Klaisel would have been. And Yitzchak can't think of any way to be Makarifim. So you know what he realized? You know what's going to be Makarif Esav? I make him from? If he knows I really love him. How's he going to know I really love him? If I give him money. If I give him the Yerusha, if I give him money, he's going to believe that I really love him, because why else would you give me money? Okay, so that's the only way to make him from, to save him, is by giving him money. So how much money should I give him? What do you mean, how much money should I give him? Everything. What else would a parent give money to? Imagine a father has a million dollars and has ten children. Each one by the Yerusha is supposed to get $100,000. But then one of his kids gets sick, and the doctor says, we could save him, it costs a million dollars to save him with a special kidney transplant, blah, 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 blah. It's not covered by insurance. Which father is going to say no? You take all the money, all a million dollars to save your kid. And you tell all the other kids, I'm sorry, but you're healthy. You're on your own. i got to save the sick kid. So Yitzchak says, there's only one way to save Esav, Showing him that I love him by giving him money. So how much money are you going to give? What do you mean, how much? Everything. Everything is at stake over here. The Tam Shechafetz Yitzchak to give, the reason that Yitzchak says the Arachayim HaKadosh, that Yitzchak wanted to give the brachas, all the brachas, when, when, when Esav came back afterwards, right? And, and he realized what happened over here. He cried out. He said, Tati, you don't have one bracha for me? So what does that mean? You gave all the brachas to the other guy. Why do you give all your brachas? All, can you imagine? The, the, after, the, after the funeral, they go to the lawyer's office. Tati was worth $100 million. Ten kids come, and he opens up the envelope. He says, wow, you, supposed, you think you're each getting a million dollars? Ten million dollars? No, uh uh The whole $100 million is going to Johnny the drug addict. Crazy. So what do you mean? Because Yitzchak knew the only chance to get back Esav is if he sees how much I care about him. So how, much, how am I going to show that? By giving him Gashmi's Tikka money. Beitin L'chalashim was all Gashmi's Tikka Brachas. So how much? 80, 20, 90, 10? 100% is going to go to him. Says the Rechaim HaKadosh, he did this in order to try to win him back. The Ef Shishaha Yemayel. Maybe it would have worked. We'll never know. Because Yaakov stole the Brachas. Maybe Yitzchak, you see that Yitzchak Ovinu, after all the knowledge that he had, he came up with one plan to win back this kid. Gashmi Yistik Abrachas. Prove that I love you. Take, give, spoil. Give him everything. Maybe then you're going to get the medicine in that you're loved. 
So you tell your parents, Tati, Mommy, give him everything. I'll be fine. I'm like Yaakov. I'll have a life. I'll build Klal Yisrael. I'll be Erlich. And you take whatever money you need in your savings account and under the mattress and wherever else it's from, and you save my sister. And when you do that, you become elevated from being a human being to being Mamash a hero. Who's our biggest hero in Klal Yisrael? One of our biggest heroes in Klal Yisrael is actually a female hero, which is heroin. I just don't like to talk about heroin. Who's the heroine in Klal Yisrael? Rachel Imenu. We daven, we say at the end of times that it's Rachel Mavaka Abanel. Why was Rachel more chashev than all the tzaddikim? Because she gave up for her sister. She didn't have to. She didn't have to. And she tells Hashem at the end of time, Hashem, you're, you're upset at them? You're right? They're wrong? Who cares who's right, who's wrong? I didn't care if I was right. I was right. I didn't care. I gave up for my sister. If I can do that, you have to understand, she thought she's going to marry Yaakov, and she thought by giving up marrying Yaakov, she's going to be living the rest of her life with Esav Arusha. She was giving up Olam Hazeh, she was giving up Olam Abba, she was going to have to be married to a murderer, Mamash, the worst guy in the world. And she was willing to do that because I don't want to embarrass my sibling. Don't hold back. And don't let your brother or your sister get gypped off or embarrassed in any way and tell your parents. It's the biggest kibbid av'ev. Go home and tell them. Say, Mommy, Tati, do everything you need to. I trust you. Here's my savings. You go take your piggy bank and you give it to your parents and you say, here's my Hanukkah gelt and here's $822 from the summer and from this and that. I want to be a part of this. There's no bigger stucker than this in the world. It's pidyim shuyim. It's it's chayla nefesh. It's refuah. It's every miracle that you need done for every kind of chesed and, and, and mace mitzvah. You know when they collect for a mace mitzvah? Somebody who doesn't have anybody to bury them. Everybody gives money for that. Nam's chesed shalemas. It's a mace mitzvah. And the kibbit ava aim factor is mamash laman yerichun yomecha. The person who gains after a year, two, three of, le- of leading this life is you. You become a better adult a better yid, you give and give and you don't care and you become elevated. And that's the avoid that we have to look at. Why is Hashem doing this to us? It's avoid for us. Klal Yisrael is losing a big percent. Nabuch. Nabuch. The Stachina Rebbe said that they are a carbon sibur to atone for the sins of Klal Yisrael. Stachina Rebbe said, Toiras Moshe Misinai, Kach Kibalnu Seinu. These kids, these young adults, these people who are suffering like this and going off and losing their life, there's no avera that they could have done to deserve this pain. So why are they getting it? For the sins of Klal Yisrael. He says, and then, and then we look down at them. Shaigitz, Shiksa, they're atoning for our sins. They're a carbon sibur. Sitchini Rebbe said even more. He said that the Satmar Rebbe, Divri Yael, said that when you see a Yid that went through the Holocaust and you see a tattoo, the numbers on his arm, even if he's a Mechal Shabbos, you can go ask him for a brucha because he's a carbon sibur. He suffered for Klal Yisrael, right? For being a Yid. These people suffering, your brother is a carbon zebur. He's a miserable person. He's not Bechmamesh. Would you want to be him? I don't think so. So what did he do to deserve this? Teretz is nothing. So why is he getting this life? Would you want to come down as a Gilgal, as your sister? As your brother? Never. So what, what did they do? It's a carbon zebur. Atoning for the sins of Klal Yisrael. They, they don't pay etzim, have a spiritual problem. It's an emotional problem and pain inside. That we know. But whatever the Bilbal Adas is that their life, the Olam Azeh is ruined and their Olam Abba. Okay? I'm not so sure about Olam Abba because it could be that they're potter, could be that. Let's put that on the side. But they're definitely a Rachmunis. Big time. Big time. 
right? They're not going to get married and have a normal life. And then you see people like your brother leaving a wife and kids. For what? What do you exactly? What do you think is waiting for you? A better wife, a better kids, a better family, a better. They're gonna have, these guys ruin their lives. They have no money. They have no. They lose their their panasa. By the way, a yid fagelt. We we do everything. So why not just keep your beard and pies? Why don't you do that for money? Right. We we have to do things. They, they ruin. They ruin the whole life. I have another story over here. A guy from Lakewood, twenty six years old, a litvish boy. He became atheist two weeks ago. Off the derech. He has a wife that he loves and two beautiful little kids. You know what that means, the tsar that he's giving that up? He doesn't want to lose them, but he is. So just fake it. I mean, a normal person would fake it. Why, what do you think is waiting for you on the other side? Teretz is that they're in so much pain. This kid guy suffered from anxiety. He had tons of trauma as a kid. And the mamish in this dar, people are falling apart. People are falling apart. Mamish not a joke. 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds falling apart. And they're not happier afterwards. They have no benefit. It's the same as getting hit by a car, and all of a sudden you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. They have no benefit. Everyone thinks you're a Michigan. You are a Michigan. You go through depression. You lose your wife. You lose your kids. You lose your future. You lose everything. They're not becoming successful adults. They're not becoming lawyers and, and moving to Manhattan and, and becoming happy. They're not healthy Asavs. They're sick Yaakovs. They're not healthy Asavs. Even though they talk like, the, I'm an atheist and I explain it to you, and I'm a this and all of that. Most of these atheists, you look at them 10 years later, they're almost all from, okay? But they sound very intelligent. They don't explain to you. I learned Darwin's theory and theory of evolution. Thing, and this is definitely a big bang. And the thing, they look very normal. I go, okay? The Hask child also thinks that he's normal when he's explaining to you life, okay? And, and that's it. Now, they're going to be very offended. If they hear this, they're going to say, oh, you think everybody goes off to Derek is retarded? We know that people going off to Derek are in pain. They know it. Footsteps knows it. They said it themselves. 50% were molested as children. They, they know themselves that they're suffering. They're suffering. I never met the guy who went off to Derek because he really felt that the Yiddish guide is not the right thing. And the raya is, if you makar of them a few years later, they come back. We have in our group of TP... At least 50 kids who the parents came to me and told me the kids are mamish atheists. The most brilliant, the smartest. They took them everywhere. Aisha Torah guys. Aisha Torah can convince 4,000 Harvard brilliant people that there's a God, but not Mashiach Yosef from Barapak. He, he's 15 years old. They couldn't convince him, you know. They, they can convince the most amazing, brilliant guys. Arachim and all that. And this guy went off the derech over here. And they can't convince. Why? Because they don't have a Ruchni stick a problem. They are sick, and they're suffering, and they're hurting. Now, we know that our job is to look at them, that they're sick and they're hurting, and to be nice to them. Whether you want to be nice to them because it's a menschlicher thing to do, whether you want to be nice to them as Avodis Hashem, to go and to be maver amidosav, to be mavir mimenakop shav, whether you want to just work on your midis, or whether you think it's going to work to be makar of them, so at the end they're going to become from, doesn't matter to me. It's all the same thing. To give up of yourself... To be makar of these kids, people are falling apart. And that's what the, the Chino Rebbe said, that they're falling apart for our sins. So he said, that just like the Divayal said, that if you see somebody who's suffering for the sins of Klal Yisrael, who went through the Holocaust with a tattoo, you could ask him for a bracha. His bracha is worth something, even if he's a Mechal Shabbos. Says this the Chino Rebbe, when you go out on the street and you see a Mechal Shabbos, even with a tattoo, because they are carbonate Sibur, you can go and ask them for a bracha because their bracha in Shemayim means something. 
these kids off the derech that we're looking the other way, we're looking down at them for taking the pain of our, of the tsar, of, that we deserve, carbon sibor, on our behalf, and then we don't want to look at them. He said, you can go to them with their tattoos and ask them for a bracha. I can tell you that these kids are on the street, if you don't argue with them, they're so sweet, sensitive, caring, and erlich. Even if they're not erlich right now, they're suffering, but deep down we believe every yid is erlich. Amech kulam tzadikim. The whole Baal Shem Tov's movement, especially, especially the Baal Shem Tov's movement, was laval yidach nidach. Nobody gets pushed away. The idea that I turn away from somebody and I'm not makara of somebody because they're not frim is mamish the opposite of Yiddishkeit. Mamish the opposite of Yiddishkeit. Labal Yidach Yidach. Every Yid is going to come back. Kol Yehudi Hukumo Yahaloim said the Lechavitcha. Every Jew is a diamond. And even if it falls into the sewer, don't think that it got damaged. A piece of wood in the sewer is damaged forever. A diamond can go in a sewer for a million years. It, the essence of the diamond does not change. You pull it up and you power wash it and the shine, the original shine can never be damaged. Every yid is a chelik elikamimal. Your brother, your sister is a chelik elikamimal mamish. They're just like you. They're just as holy as you. They're just as precious as you. They got thrown into the mud. And with our love, that's the power wash. That's going to reveal their gentle side, their sensitivity, their caring. And when they're a part of the family, we have a chance to mitzvah Shem. Every single one of them is going to come back. And all of the mitzvahs that they do, after they come back, we get a commission. We get a commission. Cha-ching, cha-ching. You're sleeping, and all of a sudden you're getting swiped. You're credit, cha-ching, you're getting credit. What happened? He put on tefillin. His eye put on tefillin. Tell you a story of the Divrei Yoel. I heard this from the guy himself. I met him in Alpine. He's about 65 years old. And he told me, Be'erich, 45 years ago, my brother went off the derech. So my father went with me to the Divrei Yoel. He took in this, this young boy. He was about 17, 18 years old. He went in with his father to the Divrei Yoel. What should I do? My, my son is mamish. He was in the police department. He had an Italian shiksa. And he was in Chazar. He was mamish terrible. A real bum. Satmar Rebbe told him to be makar of him with both hands, to show him a tremendous avu, and to do everything he can that he should feel like he's a part of the family. And he said, my father did that. He mamish followed the Satmar Rebbe. Not only that, my brother wanted to buy a truck. A truck is not a Yiddish car. The biggest Yiddish car we have is a minivan. Afterwards, it goes down the tubes. He wanted to buy a truck. He said, my father had no money. He borrowed money and put the cash in my brother's hand. He should know my tati is paying for my truck. Let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Where are we now? 45 years later, the guy came back and he has a chassidish family and he has children and he has enikluch and he has ir enikluch, all chassidish, a beautiful erlich family. He said before my father died, he was very sick for about a year and a half and all the kids in the family went to visit him and take care of him. But out of all the kids, we had a big family. This brother, he was the one who was really the most ketrai, the most loyal to him. When there's a three-day yontif, nobody wants to be three-day yontif in a hospital, this brother would say, I'll go to Tati. He would clean him, he would change him, he would be mishamasim. He says, one time my sister told him, oh, you're doing this for Tati because you feel guilty for all the pain you caused him 40 years ago? And he said, guilt? <laughs> I'm doing this because I know he loves me more than all of you put together. The bond that the father created by giving. Rabbi Leo Dessler says that the word ava, the shavish is have, when you give, you love. 
You don't give to who you love. You love who you give. And the father gave and gave so much when the kid didn't deserve it. The bond was so strong. And you know what the raya was? This guy told me a few days before my father died, he stopped talking. He didn't have kayach to talk to anybody in the world. The only person he talked to was this brother. When he came in, he would talk to him. And he was there when my father died. The long-term plan of Kiev to be Makarev as much, as much, as much as possible, we will, as a Hashem, grow from the experience and have nachas from your brother, your sister, and give your parents nachas, and most of all, give the Ibish the nachas, that they'll all come back and build the Bayes Nebuchadnezzar of Yisrael. Going into Yom Kippur, this is the biggest chus we have. Going to the Yemei Hadin, everything is midah connected midah. Kirachim of Abanim, Kain, Terachim Hashem Aleinu. When you show that I love my brother, my sister, even though I don't have to, even though I'm embarrassed, even though, even though, even though, even though, midah connected midah, because the Dalshem said, Hashem Tzilcha. I have a shadow right now under my hand, but who's controlling my shadow? I am. The Dalshem said, you control Hashem. Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. You control the midah. If you act with chesed and rachamim, Hashem is forced, so to speak, because that's the way He set up the world, to deal with you with chesed and rachamim. If you go and hug your brother, your sister, even though they stole your money, your, your laptop, whatever it is, and you go and give them tremendous ahavas chinam, midah connected midah, the Ebishtah is forced to treat you with ahavas chinam, and that's the best way to go to the Yemadin, to every day, especially to Yemadin, to ensure that we will have a Gitke Bench. This is Avi Fischoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.